find people that you really trust and partner with them there. I mean, it's crazy what you can do with other people compared to what you can do alone. It doesn't matter how smart you are or think you are. Right. And mm. I was so reluctant in the beginning to, to get on board with an investor and to partner, but taking his money and also having him as a permanent consultant to the company and getting his whole life's worth of, of expertise has just been invaluable. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that has started several startups and grown them into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the CEO and founder of Miller IP Law, where we help um, startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today we have another great guest on the podcast, Adam Blonsky. And Adam is... Sorry, the- it's, it's Balinsky. I'm not offended, but... <laughs> Oh, you're not the first one or the last one that I will uh, massacre their name. So no, or no offense intended. Um, but Adam, if you're to uh, give a quick intro, so Adam graduated from law school, and uh, during law school, um, before, what, prior to graduating, had a unconventional way of doing some studying, and after graduating, spent some time as an attorney, and uh, on the side started to build up a, a system or a product to use uh, what he learned in law school, how to do the unconventional studying. After a period of time, decided to now hit it full time um, and go after it with more of a vengeance, and he'll share a little bit, a little bit more about that. So with that as an introduction, welcome to the podcast, Adam. Hey, Devin, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here with you. So tell us a little about a little bit about maybe your journey and you started in law school and how it got started for you and how you ended up to where you're at today. Thanks. Yeah, well, so like most law students, I had a lot on my plate. Um, you know, everybody's juggling so much. Life is so busy. And most people go into law school, they're young adults, and there's a lot you know, of pressures and demands on young adults whether you're dating or if you're newly married like I was, or you have kids like I had, you know, there's just a lot to, to keep track of. And you want to do well in school. You want to do well in life. You don't want to um, hold the grip too tight on anything, but uh, it's, it's really busy. And so out of necessity, I started creating audio outlines for myself, audio flashcards, if you will, in a sense, um, to mm. drill key concepts from class. So I wasn't always, you know, in my books are staring at a computer, but I could go to the gym, you know, I could listen while I was driving places, I could go on hikes, I could take my kids to the park, I could build a bunk bed for my kids and listen to some audio. So is is hack job, slap together audio of myself recorded for myself. And I found it to be super effective. I don't have an amazing memory just naturally. I have a pretty good memory though. Um, but the audio was was super beneficial. And um, even though you know, I had made it for myself. Some of my friends wanted it and I shared it with them and they liked it. And, mm. and so uh, that was some positive feedback and, and good to see. So you, you, you go through law school, you say, okay, the, you know, the conventional making kind of almost a, 
whether it's outlines or flip charts or, you know, flip cards or whatnot saying, Hey, that's not how I, I don't like to sit. Just don't want to go through all those. I'd like to be up, be a bit more active and do all that. So you decide to go through law school, doing your own thing. Now you graduate. And I, if I remember, if we talked right, you did go and, and work as what would be a, you know, quote unquote, typical attorney. So how did that transition? And then, you know, what, or what took place and I guess what type of law did you go into? So I was a semi-typical attorney, I guess, um, because I went and practiced law, you know, got my law license, took the bar, all that. But even though I had an offer to go work with the firm full-time and I had interned with a bunch of firms and in-house in a, in a variety of places where I really, I really enjoyed all those experiences and I got a lot from all of them, I ended up just hanging up my own shingle um, as audacious and crazy as that is. You know, I just decided to do my own practice. I, I hedged my bets a little bit in that I was doing contract work for the few of the firms that I had established relationships with. And so, you know, I had some pretty reliable income through them, though I wasn't getting, you know, the same kind of attorney mm. hourly rates, but it was, a, it was a good balance. And, and then I started taking some of my own clients too. And I was able to, you know, do that while I was starting Crescendo and mm. the way it worked out to just squeak by financially in our family, you know, I'd work 10, 15, sometimes 20 hours a week doing law practice. And then I'd use the other time to start working on a beta product for Crescendo. Mm. And, um, yeah, I, I thought it was really good. And the, and the type of law I was practicing really helped with Crescendo because it was generally business law, you know, creating operating agreements, filing for people's trademarks, writing privacy policies, writing contracts, independent contractor agreements, writing um you know, just the variety of things that you need for, for companies and small companies. And so I'd write something for, for clients and then I'd turn around and go, Hey, we actually, we could, we could use a terms of use for crescendo, you know, let's massage that a little bit and uh, boom, you know, we got one. And so it was this really kind of harmonious thing where, you know, uh, and it went both ways too, because a lot of the clients I had, you know, they're small businesses and mm. to be a small business person myself, an entrepreneur, I feel like I could understand them, their business needs, their concerns a little bit better. Mm. So it was this very symbiotic thing. So, you, and you did that. So first question, I'm going to back up just a little bit in your story. So what made you decide to go private practice as opposed, you know, do solo practice, do your own thing as opposed to go work for a firm? Was it, hey, I graduated at the wrong time and nobody was hiring, which is when I would, went into law school, you know, the people a couple of years ahead of me, they came out in 2009, 2010, and the law, or law industry was getting hit hard with the depression there. And so they didn't have a lot of jobs. So some of them hung up their own shingles. Other times it's, hey, I just really want to do my own thing. I want to have my own direction. So kind of before, you know, before diving into all the crescendo or crescendo, how did you decide to do your own private practice? You know, I was on the fence for all of law school about what I wanted to do with my law degree. I felt very strongly about going to law school, but I didn't have a clear vision of like, this is the therefore what, you know, why am I doing this? And, um, I, and I, so I explored the, the firm path. And mm. had some opportunities that way, but I just didn't feel right. And some clerkship opportunities too, judging, just interviewing and things looking promising there, but it ultimately wouldn't feel right. And I'd withdraw my application. Mm. And um, I had all throughout law school, kept the door open to private practice by going to solo practice seminars and things that they, they host those pretty regularly at BYU. And so I took, I went to those, those weren't classes, didn't get credit, but they were just these great kind of weekend things where you'd have 
Um, mm. Solo attorneys come in and share tips of the trade and documents and all sorts of great stuff. So I did that all throughout law school. Every time it came around, I would go to those and found them super helpful. And, you know, the freedom, the autonomy always appealed to me. Mm. I've kind of been just a weirdo career-wise, haven't been able to fit in any of the traditional boxes, you know, just kind of an eclectic jack of all trades, interested in everything, loves everything, you know, to a fault where, you know, I love that, I love that, I love that. And so it's hard to zone in on just one thing. Mm. And so to have the flexibility of doing some law practice, which I love, but only doing it like 10 to, you know, 20 hours a week and to have some income through that and then be able to explore some other options. You know, it wasn't just Crescendo that I started. I actually started another thing that didn't go anywhere because um, mm. I didn't put enough energy into it. And maybe there's possibility for it in the future. But um, I used to be a corporate trainer. And so I started this company called Utah Law Trainers. Mm. And um, my, my thinking was I could go to various companies and teach HR compliance related things. And I'd done some of that interning. Um, did some training in at Pluralsight, for example, created a training mm. uh, video there for, you know, their IP stuff. And it was, it was super enjoyable. And so I, and, and I remember Pluralsight invited an attorney that they paid tons of money to come and train their, their staff on certain things. And I thought, wow, that would be super fun. And so what if I made a company just to go around and train and mm. that would just be a blast. And um, I was doing that a little bit on the side as I was starting Crescendo and then Crescendo just started dominating my time and, um, and growing and going well. And so I just uh, slowly shifted more and more into Crescendo and now that's all I do. So you're the, and if I were to almost summarize, it's kind of, you're saying, Hey, I was, you know, had opportunities, did a few other things. Some of them didn't work out as well, but you kind of always kept your private, you know, your own practice or your private practice, kept that going as a way to pay the bills, pay the mortgage, keep the lights on, those type of things while exploring other things and almost doing the law practice to support the, the side hustles. And then how did you kind of get to the point as you're doing crescendo along with your private practice to figure out when do I make the leap or when do I jump over from doing the law practice to focusing on crescendo? Was it a, hey, ever the bottom fell out and the law practice went away and I didn't have any other choice? Or was it, hey, I'm just, we were having so much success with crescendo, I just couldn't, you know, put it or do it as a side hustle? It's a combination of both or kind of how did that go for you? Uh, so it was actually really weird in how it played out because, you know, I'm doing the law practice thing. I'm starting Crescendo and we just released like one beta subject. There's the professional responsibility or ethics portion of mm. your, your licensure as an attorney. And so we just, you know, I just worked on that content and pushed that out to just see. And I think we had like 30 people use it the first time in August of 2017. And that was just through me spamming people that I knew were going to law school and just like, <laughs> please try my stuff. And you mm. know, one in three or one in four of those actually tried it a little bit and then gave me some feedback. And some of the feedback was really positive. The, the most positive feedback we got was from this really generous fellow that I had never met prior to that, but I made a point of meeting him after because it, I mean, what he did was so impactful for me and my company, but um, he had been putting off studying for the MPRE He'd planned on studying for it for like a couple of weeks, you know, um, it's not a super crazy exam, but you do need to put in some time for it. And um, he just put it off, put it off, put it off. And then like a day or two before he's like, okay, I'm just going to try this thing because I'm probably mm. going to fail anyway. So what do I have to lose? And so he just listened to Crescendo like straight 
for a, a day and a half, <laughs> you know, even when he's like laying in bed, napping hmm. or relaxing. And then he ended up passing really comfortably. And he, even before he passed, he put a post out on LinkedIn, just blogging about his experience and how excited he was about this new product and this new possibility and this new way to approach studying. And, um, and then when he got his results back and he found out he had passed a little while later, he did a follow-up hmm. post. Anyway, so those posts created um, some credibility and, and interest in the company. And then mm. there was a, uh, the Daily Herald in Utah, just small local paper, you know, did a little spot on us, even though we had like zero revenue at that point. <laughs> so it's pretty remarkable that they, you know, covered us. But one of the clients, and this is where the weird part comes in. So that's not particularly surprising or weird, I guess. Mm. Um, but um, the weird thing is the client, uh, my primary client, had his hand in a bunch of different companies. And so I was working with him on a bunch of different legal documents and just doing any projects that that he had. And when we'd have our client meetings, they would inevitably turn to, hey, like I've heard about Crescendo. I think it's super interesting and cool what you're doing. Like, what can I do to get into that? <laughs> How can I become a part of that? Mm. You know, do you want some money? And and I'd say, oh, no, no, I just, I was thinking I can just do this on my own. It's no big deal. I don't mm. need money, you know, and I kind of <laughs> like my freedom and having mm. all the control of the company. And, and, uh, but yeah, every, every time we met, it would come up and he'd push a little bit harder and say, I think it's really cool. Like basically name your price. I want some of Crescendo. And, um, and eventually I started opening my mind to that idea. And, um, and then I got a random LinkedIn message from someone I'd never met before. Um, who had also gone to the same law school as me just a few years prior and was pretty entrepreneurial and successful and had some money in an, an investment firm. And so he was looking to invest as well. And so, you know, we went to a jazz game and we went golfing and I really like him. We're still friends, but I ultimately ended up just going with, with the client that I had had at the time. Mm. Um, I'd known him a little bit longer, just a longer friendship. He actually was, and this is an, another wrinkle to all of it, um, you know, that, that guy was one of my mentors when I was growing up as a teenager. So in church, in my youth program, he was one of the leaders that I looked up to. And so it's super crazy because our life, you know, took us in all these different directions. And then they ended up intersecting again, where I'm doing legal work for him. And then the next thing I know, he's my investor. And anyway, so it's just kind of a weird, unconventional thing. We didn't seek any traditional funding. You know, we didn't make mm. a pitch. Well, I did do um, one time I went to do like a Shark Tank pitch thing in Boston and, and that was kind of fun, but it didn't end up going anywhere. But aside from that, it's just been, you know, just this outreach from these, these two people and, mm. and taking their money. And, and so once we got that money, and this gets back to answering your question, sorry, it's the roundabout way to get there. But, sure. um, you know, we had some money and, uh, and so I just kind of scaled back almost to no legal practice. There were still some projects I was finishing up, but with the money, I paid myself a very, very, very modest salary, if you will, um, mm. from Crescendo, and then um, spent the rest on just getting everything created and hiring people. And, and uh, one of the best decisions that I've made, you know, was, was doing that, taking that money. So you took the, you know, you, you, you have all that build, you took the money, you have the ability now to do it as a full-time thing. You are able to chase it, pursue it. And, you know, and you have some people that are supporting you along the way and almost, you know, kind of mentoring you. 
Now, when you made that full-time leap and you're, you're doing that now full-time and you leave the law practice, so to speak, you know, was it all success? Did it go just as, as planned and, you know, everything is on an upward trajectory? Did you hit bumps along the way or how did it, when you jumped all in, how did that go for you? Oh man. So, uh, mostly well, I mean, we're still alive. We're three years in and, um, to date this year, we're profitable and all our big expenses for the year are paid and, you know, mm. I'm paid and I'm paid, um, more comfortably than I was before. So like where we are now, I'm really excited about and our growth trajectory is great. And the feedback we're getting from students is great. Roe is working to improve it. Um, you know, at the forefront of my mind is always, all the things I want to do to make it better and better and better and better. Um, but it's been really encouraging, but there have been some major speed bumps along the way uh, multiple times where I thought, um, you know, maybe my company is dead, you know, or at least on life support. And I don't know what's going to happen. Most of those were due to my own just idiocracy. Um, I, I deleted our entire website um, at one point and we didn't have a, a complete backup of the website. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And at the time, thankfully we only had like a, a few hundred users, maybe 200 mm. users. Um, and it was so bad <laughs> and it was, it was an accident. Um, mm. it was something we were doing with Amazon web services and, and I had created something to try to solve one problem. And then I realized it wasn't the right solution. So I deleted that something and I didn't really realize how like entangled it had become with with our website and it ended up as a ripple effect deleting the website and there was no way to recover it. And so to have to like rebuild it in 24 hours was mm. super duper stressful. And um, so I, I'm, yeah, I, I don't know how we survived that, but we did. And <laughs> um, it was a miracle. There are other times too, um, we, we were hacked right when COVID kind of started and the big earthquake in Utah happened, we got hacked. It was like this perfect storm of everything mm. terrible. And um, we were able to resolve that thankfully very quickly, but that was probably the, the worst week of my business life ever. Mm. And, and so stressful and we were worried about fallout. You know, we wanted to be transparent and um, we wanted to be for, forthright with all our users and we wanted to also protect everything. And, um, through some help of, of others and um, just working really hard all day and all night, basically to resolve that thing. We, we squeaked by without it being mm. devastating. Our users were really forgiving and understanding. You know, we thought we'd get a flood of refund requests or something, you know, as a result or hate mail. But we actually, when we look back at kind of that month and how it went, Overall, it was positive, which makes no sense. Like we got some sales out of it. People mm. that had forgotten about us. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. And then also we got some really nice messages from people like, we really liked how you handled this. Totally mm. stinks that it happened, but this was really cool and think you're a cool company. And that was really rewarding because I think a lot of times people think, you know, the ones that win in life are the ones that are kind of cutting corners. Mm. Right, but integrity and honesty and transparency go a long way. I think more so now than ever, you know, people are so distrusting of everything everywhere. And if you can win their trust a little bit and um, mm. you basically win them as a friend and if there's bumps along the way, who cares? They trust you. And so we've been really grateful to have a very trusting base. 
So now, no, and I think that's an interesting story. And, you know, it's a little bit a man after my own heart in the sense that, you know, you go into the law industry, you have the entrepreneur bug and you figure out a way to do a side hustle along the way and then you make it, you know, a full-time thing. So now as we're wrapping up and never have enough time to talk with everything, but um, as we're wrapping up the podcast, let's maybe jump to the two questions I was always asking at the end. And you may have already started to answer the one. But, you know, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? So I'd say the worst business decision would have to be just being afraid, fearing. And I know that doesn't sound like a decision. Usually we think of like a decision as just like a finite Mm. thing that we did, you know, but I think fear is a choice, you know, and we wake up every day and we choose to live by it or not. Mm. And fear really holds us back. You know, we we get afraid. Is it going to work out? you know, I'm taking some risks here. I need to support my family. You know, my wife isn't working. I've got three kids, four kids now. And, um, Mm. and yeah, so there's a lot of fear that can hold you back and you move forward. You're going to make mistakes. There'll be setbacks and maybe at the end, everything will crash and burn. You know, who knows, but don't be afraid of that. If it does happen, you're going to learn some really amazing things along the way. And you're going to be, you know, growing through that experience. Mm. And, uh, and so, uh, just having just more, more faith that, you know, things can work out and, um, you don't have to have the most resources in the world to be able to compete with the really big companies. And, Mm. um, I think a lot of us attorneys in particular, fresh out of law school have something called imposter syndrome. You know, Mm. we just feel like, uh, (laughs) like I'm just kind of sliding by under the radar but i i'm not really qualified to to do this like am i mal am i gonna malpractice am i gonna do a good enough job i don't i don't know we just for whatever reason we come out of law school typically very shaken in our confidence Mm. and to just believe like no you got this you work hard you try best you're your best and you be honest you know if you made it through law school and you passed the bar you know you've got a good head on your shoulder so uh other people, they may have more experience, but you can make that up in hustle and um, in grit. And so that would be my, my one thing is just uh, overcoming fear, that choice. Mm. No, I think that, may, that makes complete sense. So now we're going to jump to the second question I always ask, which is now if you're talking, and it kind of dovetails on what you did, but if you're talking to someone that's just getting into startups or small businesses, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? I would say um, find people that you really trust and partner with them. They're, I mean, it's crazy what you can do with other people compared to what you can do alone. It doesn't matter how smart you are or think you are, right? And mm. I was so reluctant in the beginning to, to get on board with an investor and to partner, but taking his money and also having him as a permanent consultant to the company and getting his whole life's worth of, of expertise has just been invaluable. Um, you know, we went, it took me months and months to create our first beta course. And then, you know, we had grown over 13 times in our content in, in just mm. a few short months after we got some money. And, um, and yeah, I got rid of some equity in the company. Um, but the value of the company grew so much. And more important than that to me is, is just you know, my relationships with people and how those have grown. And so trusting other people, involving other people, um, not being too, too controlling. And, mm. and this is something I continually have to work on because I can micromanage if I'm not careful. 
and um, and so to just kind of say, you know, if somebody's going to do it a little bit different than me, that's okay. And it doesn't have to be perfect in my eyes to still be good and valuable. And mm. so just to give people some flexibility to grow and learn and contribute. But the real key thing is that they've got to be trustworthy. You've got to trust them. They've got to trust you. You've got to kind of have that friendship. But if you got that, I mean, you can do incredible things together. All right. Well, I like both the, the mistake you learned and also the advice you give. Well, as, as people are wanting to reach out to you, whether it's they want to use Gersendo, they want to learn more about you, they want to be an investor, they want to be an employee, they want to be your friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to connect up with you? I'd say if, you, if you've never interacted with me before, you know, just LinkedIn's a good one since it kind of throws everything in that networking bucket. And, mm. um, but if we've crossed paths at some point in life, I mean, you can email me or anything like that don't don't be afraid even if we just saw each other once so all right sounds good well i certainly encourage people to both uh or check out crescendo if you're uh, a law student um as well as uh anybody else that uh, wants to get in got involved and engaged with you so with that Appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, now for all of you that are um, guest or listeners of the show, if you have your own journey to tell and you want to be a guest on the show, feel free to go to inventivejourneyguest.com. Plan to be on the show. We'd love to hear your journey. If you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe so that you can get notifications as all, as all the new awesome episodes come out. And lastly, if you ever need helps with uh, patents and trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law. We are always here to help. Thank you again, Adam. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure and wish you the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks, Devin. Thanks for having me.